Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Views from the Kicks podcast. My name is Sandy Burks, and I will be joined shortly by my friends, Jack Bryant and Coach Buck Buchanan. It has been a long time since we've last seen y'all, and so we're very excited to ring in the holiday season with a brand new episode, which includes my new personal favorite of Jack's segments, the do's and don'ts of Thanksgiving. We hope you enjoy, and now without further ado, Jack Bryant and Buck Buchanan. Well, Coach, we made it. I wasn't sure if we were going to get an episode before Christmas time. I thought we were uh, we were going up until the bell, but we we made it. We did. We make it. We're 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 on the Christmas show. Uh, unfortunately, moment of silence for Jack. No, he's still alive. He's just, but you know, he's hanging by a thread. He's uh, he's with the in laws this week. <laughs> he is with in laws. So that was something he wanted to talk about last time was the do's and don'ts of in laws. But I think he's uh, he's gotten back to us after a few days of that experience, and he said, "My only don't." is have in-laws. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no way around that. So you got to do what you got to do. That's right. Well, he told me, he goes, Sandy, you know, of all the butt quotes we've ever heard, the one that probably rings the most true right now is you got to dance for someone someday. That, that is true. Yeah, and he's dancing. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a waltz or a two-step, but he's dancing. <laughs> Having seen us, and we'll get into some of this later, but the off-season is a great time to refine the movement and help you get your motor skills going. For Jack and I, it was about developing motor skills. It wasn't refining them. We actually had to get them first. Yeah, I mean, motor skills. That doesn't mean driving a car. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Hey, that boy loves his truck and driving no cars. I know that for sure. Well, one thing I want to do before we get into anything today is I want to dedicate the show to Coach Stone Paul. Uh, one small step for man, one giant leap for Hendricks coaches. Yep. Well, congratulations to Stone Paul and and uh, Mary Harden Baylor for winning the national championship. Uh, we're proud of Stone, proud of Mary Harden Baylor. I mean, Coach Fredenberg, Coach Harmon, Coach Carey, all those guys are friends of mine from way back. Uh, so I'm really happy for those guys, and we're happy for our league to give them a great game in the first game because uh, their closest game all year, two closest game, one was Harden Simmons and the other one was Trinity in the first round of the playoffs. So. Uh, our league gave them the, a great football game, and I think that pushed our league up a little harder, uh, farther in the in the standing as well. Unfortunately, we were not the team that, that made that uh, happen this year. I think uh, last year's spring team could have very well been there, but but this year uh, was not the case. But but again, congratulations to Stone and, and uh, Mary Harmon Baylor Crusaders for a national championship. And any time a Southern team can do it, we're, we're ecstatic about that because be honest, there's a northern bias in Division Three. There, there is, and it, it it is what it is. But you got to overcome that, and they did it on the field in a in a convincing fashion, beat North Central uh, handily. I would say. I remember the. I didn't remember exactly what the kickoff time was. I was a little late tuning in, and I got a couple of texts from a couple of friends watching it, going, "Oh boy, are you watching?" I'm like, "What happened?" Well, North Central took the opening kickback, and. And I'm thinking, man, if, if you had known that was the way it started for UAMHB and the way they responded, I mean, I know it's given it's only one touchdown, but it's like they were shot out of a cannon and it didn't phase them at all. Well, I mean, when you're when you're at that level, I mean, uh, I mean, and again, we've been there, I mean, not in the national championship game, but we've been there where, you know, something bad happens. It's like, hey, yep, that was a that was a bad play. We made a mistake, but you know, we're gonna overcome that. I think that, you know, they're well versed in that. I mean, they that wasn't their first rodeo to be there. I mean, they've won a national championship before. Uh, a lot of those guys have, have been in that on that big stage. And, you know, those things are going to happen. And I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, they got a they got an earful because if you like any if you watch any of their other kickoffs during the game, it was it was uh, going to glass shatters and there wasn't Mary Harden Baylor glass shattering. <laughs> 
Not at all. I think North Central probably was averaging their average field position was probably starting under the 20 uh, yeah, most of the time. I believe so. And, and, and again, I think it was, again, good football game. It, unfortunately, that game was played in Canton, Ohio. I mean, not, I mean, not unfortunately. I mean, it was a good stadium and it was a nice venue. But, uh, you know, they played that game in Texas the last couple of times. And if it had been in Texas, I would have definitely been there in person. But, but I was happy to watch it from in front of the fireplace uh, and uh, <laughs> watching it just, just on the television. <laughs> I think after uh, last year, after last season, at least there's a premium on being comfortable during a football game and football practice. Yeah, I mean, I was walking out, I think, yesterday morning, and it was it was a little chilly, and I was like, like you know what? I, I'm really glad we're not playing this spring, but we will have off season this spring, and we will have early morning. So, I mean, it the, the, the Hawks going to be out. <laughs> Are they going to be watching the circus? Well, the, the Hawk probably will be watching the circus. I mean, it'll swoop in on some of those weak ones. <laughs> That's right. So before we get into anything else, though, this is a good time. We can finally start doing this again. We can give you all Hendricks Athletics updates from around the athletic department because we've got some other sports now that are in gear who have started off their seasons. And, uh, well, I guess first we need to welcome in a new addition to the Warrior Family Coach, if you want to do that. Yep, we're going to welcome our uh, – well, we're, we're, he's not here with us, but we're we're welcoming uh, Jordan Drumheller uh, from uh, Bridgewater, Virginia, as our new lacrosse coach. Uh, we're really excited about him. Uh, coach Biondo had an unbelievable opportunity to work across town here at Axiom, working with interns, and uh, which is pretty much like coaching and uh, – and it's a, it's a really good thing for him. And, and they just had an addition to the family and that was going to allow them to have a lot more family time at home. And, and, and so I think coach Biondo is doing really well for himself, but, and he got our, our lacrosse team, you know, to, to where we're very competitive in the league. And I think Jordan's going to be able to come in and take over and, and, you know, Dan's still staying here and, and helping out. And I think we're going to have a good lacrosse team. I really do. And I think that, uh, I, I mean, not to tell them myself or Biondo, but I think some of the players said, it's like you took Coach Buck and Coach Biondo and made a person. <laughs> there, There is no cloning going on here. I'll just let you know. Well, you could have convinced me because we definitely ran into a clone of a couple former Hendricks coaches the other day, Coach KT and I. And, and it, But I mean, not in the best way possible because, you know, if you make any clones around here of any of our coaches, it's, it's going to be for the better, that's for sure. Um, for anyone who might be new to the Hendricks family, I think it's important to understand that when we add someone new, like if it's a new head coach, there's a little bit more of an investment there on our part that we're more emotionally invested in those teams because we share quite a few athletes with a lot of the different teams on campus. No question. I mean, we're, we, we share we share football. Um, obviously, we share football because <laughs> we are football. Uh, what I would give me to say it was uh, football shares with we have a basketball player. We have uh, multiple uh, lacrosse players multiple baseball players and quite a few guys in track and field this year. So, you know, that's one of the neat things about small college football and being able to play at this level, because you get to, you again, you get to chart your own course and we're not going to keep you from being able to do those things because, you know, you, it's, it's your choice and your, your life to live. And, and I, I honestly think even it all the way down to the high school level right now, I think we're so sports specific that kids don't get to be kids sometimes. Uh, I've seen it more in the last few years in the change of direction, especially in recruiting. We're, you know, kids want to be recruited more than they want to play. Uh, and a lot of kids are burnt out by the time they get to college because they that's all they've done. And I've seen this more with, with young men that have just played football and ones that have played other sports and not just been in that constant grind of football for the whole year, you know, are more apt to, to want to continue to play in college. Um, and, 
that's unfortunate, really. And I think it's going to hurt small college football over the years uh, to come because, you know, there's just a lot. I mean, I think a lot of kids get burned out on football by the time they get to our, our part. I mean, to be honest with you, I think, uh, you know, the way things have changed. I mean, when I went to Louisiana or even came here in Arkansas, there's just so much time that high schools can spend with their kids. We don't have that time at our place. I mean, like our, our intensity might be higher and some of those things may be higher, but the time we actually get to spend with our kids is less than you're spending in high school. Um, Cause that's, well, two reasons. Number one, you're, you're governed by the NCAA. And number two, uh, I mean, our guys, they got to go to class. They got to study. They got to have time to themselves and they got to, they got to be a college student too. So you want them to have the whole experience and you don't want to take that away from them. And, and, you know, it's going to be hard enough with, with doing what we do, but you take, you take a guy that's, that they think that that's the way it's going to be their whole lives. And, and they've been in a program where that consumed every bit of their time um, throughout their whole years. And, and sometimes I think they get burnt out. And I think that's something we're going to deal with at the, especially at the small college level, because, you know, at the division one level and those type of power five athletes, they're, they're going to play because that's their ticket and they're going to make money doing it. And, and so they don't necessarily have to love it to keep doing it. It's sometimes that's what they have to do. Um, and that's, again, that's unfortunate, I think, because I think that's what's led to a lot of the apathy and some of the situations that we have today as well. So I, I'll kind of get off my soapbox about that, but I think that's something that, that, that definitely needs to be, be thought of. Now, the converse of that is, you get to be more developed. You get better coaching. You get better, you know, especially if you're at a place where you get those quality instruction and quality time, you know, and they utilize that to the best of the kids' abilities. And so you are going to be more developed. You are going to have more opportunities to be a better player. But then again, you know, what's the trade-off there? You know, for one or two programs that do that, there's probably one or two programs that don't. So anyway, but that's, probably a longer topic for another day. Well, I don't think it's a soapbox because I definitely think it's something for all of us to think critically on. And, you know, there are probably many different factors that account for that. And maybe not every situation is the same for every kid, but it's definitely something I've noticed more recently. And even since I got out of high school, which was 2015, I started to notice more. And I really just noticed this the other day, at least in Arkansas, is we've got these localized seven on seven teams where it's not just your high school anymore going out and playing seven on seven in the off season. It's, it's these kids who are playing for a, a club almost. It's like club soccer or club baseball almost where it's, it's football 24 seven. And, you know, every community is different for some kids. That's actually great. You know, they need to be away from home. They need to have something to divert their attention to. But at the same time, I feel like I was really fortunate to have been a, dual sport athlete and to have had time away and just to have different experiences. And, and so for that reason, I, I can see it, for, I think from the angle you're looking at and from the angle that everyone else will be looking at as well. I think they're, that's something that I think you're right. We definitely have to pay more attention to in the future. And it goes back to what you were saying. It's playing because of someone and not for somebody. And that's one thing. I think a lot of kids in high school nowadays maybe don't understand that. Cause I remember the first time you said that I had to think about, well, what does he mean by that? Because, like, what side do we fall on? Because I was like, do you play because of someone you play for someone? But now that I know what you mean by that, I don't know that's not really the case at a lot of places, and I think that's one thing that we're very fortunate to have. But I don't know how that message resonates with all the kids, but I think they really come to realize that sooner than later 
at least when they set foot in our program. I think for, you know, for our level, you know, whether you're at Maryland Baylor or here or Trinity or whatever, like, you know, especially in our league, I think <clears throat> we get that, that type of athlete that that's what, that's what they have to have too. I mean, like, because you want to do it for each other. You want to do it for us, not because of us. Now there's, there's times where, yeah, I'm not getting up at five 30 in the morning for you. I'm getting up because you told me I had to, I mean, there's some, there's some because of, but the general consensus is you want to do it for you because you want to perform at that level. I think it been, bodes well for our, our type of school and our type of environment because you want to do that for us. And when you get to college, everybody wants to do it a lot more because whether, even if you're at division one, you've chosen to go do that. I mean, even if you're at a scholarship or non scholarship, that doesn't matter. It's like you've chosen to go do that. Uh, so you're around other people that have chosen that sometimes in, in high school and, and early on, they're doing it because mom and dad might want to dad might want them to play football and they don't want to disappoint dad or, or, you know, everybody in my family's done this. I'm going to do this. Or, you know, I'm doing this because all my friends are doing this, not because, you know, I really want to play. But once you take that transition to college where you are recruited, you have to decide, okay, this is something I want to do. And then you get past that freshman year. You're like, all right, this is worth the investment of my time. And I think that's where we have to be, you know, really cognizant uh, as the coaching staff is to make that investment worth the time. That doesn't mean winning games. I mean, hopefully the convenient byproduct is winning games. But, you know, again, it's that choice to be able to want to do that. Uh, so we we start with a little bit different base group, uh, even though there's some guys that might not necessarily come here in, the, in that right mindset to start with. Hopefully you're getting to that mindset. But, you know, taking, speaking of scholarship, this, this is something I, I now I'm going to jump on my soapbox about this. So, you know, I'm watching the Mary Harmon Baylor North Central game and the announcers are all like, man, these guys are there and they're none of these guys are on scholarship and none of it like that just blows my mind because everybody has this division one mentality. Everybody out there was on scholarship. They're just not on an athletic scholarship. There's a difference, you know? I mean, it's just, it just kind of, it, it always irks me because they, they think that everybody's just out there full pay to play. And that's not true. All of our schools, it, again, every division three school has ability to give academic or grant money and there is scholarship opportunity. So it's just not coming from us as a coaching staff. So everybody out there was on a scholarship. It's just not coming from us. We don't control those kids' destinies. Those kids control their destinies because it's how they do in the classroom and how they, you know, and, and well, and some of it is based on what the federal government pays and all that stuff. And then what the school invests in those young men because of their grades and what they've done uh, off the field. So, you know, that's a misnomer, and I, I wish the announcers would do a better job of actually pointing out that these guys, you know, and a lot of the best players in our league had opportunities to get athletic scholarships other places. But sometimes our non-athletic aid is better than their athletic scholarships some places. So, you know, we encourage guys to do the math. And if you can't add it up, then you probably shouldn't be in accounting. <laughs> That's why you come to Hendricks. Well, that is one of the reasons you people do come to uh, Hendricks because that fifth-year accounting degree makes a difference. Well, I, say, I will say by the time – the day that this episode is released, it will be one of our 
old accountant's birthdays, Kicker Steve. Kicker Steve. Shout out to Kicker Steve. We wish he was here, but we're glad he's not because he's making money and doing a great job in Austin, Texas. He's going to be like 30 now. Oh, weird. my goodness. You know, that just makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, and I think when they say that, Coach, you're definitely right. They're mistaken, and that's definitely something about Division Three that a lot of people don't understand. But I think another message that they're trying to convey that maybe they do it subconsciously is they're trying to say these kids are doing it for the love of the game, which for the most part is the case. I mean, we have a lot yep. of guys who do go – I wouldn't say above their means, but definitely stretch the ends of their means to be at a place like this and play football. So they're definitely doing it because they love football. And that's a message we can get into another time. A message that I really like the way you articulate is um, choosing a school because it's a great place to be at academically, but also because they have football versus another option. But I yeah, I mean, I, I always think that like, if you're an athlete, you should choose where you want to go, you know, can I get a great education there? Who don't want to be around, you know, and do I want to be like those people I'm going to be around every day? And then the, that third thing is, do I want to play? I mean, and, and, you know, how those things coincide with each other. I'm glad we're at a school that we don't have to back down from the academic side of things. And I'm, and I'm glad that we're competitive on the field and we have ability to, to be competitive out there and, and, you know, be one of the better teams in our region. So we want to be able to continue to do that. And, and again, you don't want guys here just for the football part. You don't want guys here just for the academic part. You're finding that fit. And, and I, it's like I told, you know, some other guys that, that uh, Coach Ronald and I were sitting together at the Texas State games this weekend. And, you know, somebody asked, I don't remember who asked, but they asked, uh, uh, you know, kind of the difference in some of our schools. And I said, you know, to be honest with you, you know, it's finding the right fit within our league because, you know, all of us are going to be very similar. Uh, there's not a bad school. There's not a school that you're going to, you know, uh, you, you're probably not going to make a bad choice from the coaches in our league to the academics in our league. So, you, you know, you, you're making that choice. You can't really say one's better than the other. I mean, I, I rarely say that somebody's better than other because, again, it's, it's what's important to that young man and what that fit is. And most of the time in our league, and we've talked about this on the show before, you're going to like one place and not the other uh, when we recruit against people. So, and you got, everybody's got to find their right fit. I think for us, for anyone listening, if you like the best cafeteria in the country, if you like riding on yellow legal pads and you like playing pickleball, we're probably the place for you. It is. I mean, it's, I mean, you gotta, you gotta be able to do those things outside. I mean, like gotta be able to, gotta be able to enjoy the, the yellow legal pad, not the short ones, the long ones. Otherwise it's not really a legal pad. It's an illegal pad. But anyway, um, and then, of course, we got to play pickleball this morning. And, and you know, that's that's it's a growing sport, and it's a lifetime sport good for old guys like me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not good for younger guys like us when you're hitting drop shots and we're literally dropping to the floor, <laughs> killing our knees. I thought, you know, being done with heavy lifting programs would be better for our knees, but it's probably worse off now. Yeah, well, you know, you got you to gotta get yourself in a you, – it's all about jump rope. It's all about footwork. Footwork yep. and hands. I was a catcher, so you know, you, you, using your hands was always well, it was always important. So, footwork and hands. Well, not all catchers are built the same. Given you were you were catching some pretty serious heat, literally, you were catching serious heat when you played, right? Uh, yes, but only in practice because the starter was much better than me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I've told you that before on this show. Like I, I was an average baseball player and a really good football player. But the thing I'll tell you, like especially with pickleball, you know, 
y'all underestimated us this morning, you know, like you had a chance to had a chance to beat us a couple of times, but but we came through. I mean, Coach Batts and I, we used to play all the time and and you know, we were the two guys that always everybody looked at and go, you know, they're probably not very good. But we 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 we're surprisingly good athletes for our body types. <laughs> And I, and I told you right after you said that the first time, it wasn't that we underestimated you. I just didn't realize I was playing against like the compliment to Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Like, don't we whoa, 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 whoa. I was trying to hit shots over your head and given the court is smaller than regular tennis court, but just. You're well, I can tell you right now, I cannot play tennis. I am a terrible well, tennis player, but pickleball, I can do. That's right. Maybe we can make it a varsity sport someday. It'd be a good off season for us or. Well, we had a pickleball tournament here right before uh, on dead day. And uh, there was a lot of people out there. We had quite a few football teams in there. To, uh, it was doubles. Uh, I don't play singles either, by the way. Doubles is my is my type of game. Um, but we had we had a couple football teams in there. Really thought we were going to get a good showing by Nate Hahn and Parker Turley. But uh, a couple of baseball guys rallied back and beat them at the end and and so we didn't we didn't make it to the finals with the football program. So uh, next year maybe I should enter. I'm going to tell you, Coach Dor and I are going to take him through the ringer this off season because we're we're huge fans of it and definitely want to keep playing again. And we're going to let these boys know. I mean, it's not going to be easy. I think I can tell you the only time I ever was worried about our staff uh, dynamics. I mean, we we've had some issues over the years, but like the one time that I thought we weren't re really ever going to uh, come back from it was uh, you know, Coach. Coach Neal, Coach Batson, and Coach Stone almost all killed each other one day. Um, and I actually had to be the voice of reason and said, game over. We, we're not playing anymore. Um, and I and I and of course we all shared the office back then. So we we're all in the same office. And I was like, I don't know if we're gonna survive. We 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 might not make the day. Somebody's going down today. <laughs> but we all we all we all rebounded. <laughs> Speaking of rebounds, there'll be a good chance for us to uh, finish our Hendricks Athletics update real quick. Men's basketball coach six and three. Um, six and three. Our three losses were to you know really really tough opponents. Uh, you know uh, all all ranked type teams, and you know, one of those was Wash U, obviously, which was a you know that was a that was a real tough one. Uh, there they they have a really good program and and they have a really good team this year. Uh, but we played up there. And it'll be nice to get back home and play some home games here coming up. And then we had an exhibition game against Arkansas Tech, and we we played really well. And, and unfortunately, I talked to Coach McCracken, and Coach McCracken basically said, like, really wish we had that one back because it was a it was a winnable contest. Uh, and it and it and unfortunately, you know, you don't usually get two chances at those. Uh, but I, you know, we lost to them by six, and and we we played really well. Um, you know, we gotta we gotta shore up our turnovers a little bit and going into conference play and and if we can capitalize on that, you know, we we can I think we can I think we can compete for the league this year. Well, I certainly think so too. I mean, Barry's the only other team that was getting votes to win conference going into the preseason. I think it's because the the depth that we have on the team this year and you have a group of well, four seniors at least that you know they've been playing since they were freshmen who've been getting significant time as especially two of them as starters since they were freshmen. And for those guys to grow into who they are now as seniors, I, I don't see any reason for why this team can't go as far as they want to go. And yeah, I'd love for them to be able to go to the NCAA tournament and, and have a chance to show off how far our program has come and to put on display the way that volleyball's done in the past, the way that women's basketball has done in the past. And 
I'm with you. I already told Coach uh, McCracken that I was living vicariously this year for him, and he he repaid the he repaid the compliment and said, "Well, that's what I've been doing for you the last couple of years." So. <laughs> well, I, and I got to give a shout out to women's basketball as well. Won three of our, the three of the last four. Three of the last four. Four and zero at home, and you know I got to tell you, it's it's a team that was very short on depth a few years ago and experience and. And even then, you know, we don't have too many seniors on the team. I can only think of two off the top of my head. But they're a lot of fun to watch and definitely have had some very impressive offensive performances as of late from uh, Kennedy Burns, Maddie Pierce, that was SA Player of the Week this past week. And, I mean, they've, they've just been awesome. Yep, I, I actually can't wait to see them play in person because I've been gone every time they've played. So I can't wait to see them in person and, and play in them. And, and uh, really, really shout out to, to – to coach gang and what he's been able to do and, and uh, you know, get things going in the right direction this year and get some confidence going in and, and really hopefully we can capitalize on those, those, those last three out of four, because, you know, those were also during right before finals and right before, you know, like all that pressure comes down to, to, to a T there at the end of the semester and, and to be able to put that together and, and win, especially with younger players is really, really, really big. And, you know what? We've generated some pretty good uh, response from some of the commitments we've had, early commits in women's basketball, and looking forward to the future there too. That's one thing about basketball that I keep forgetting. You know, as a football player, you there's obviously so much time that we invest um, in the program, but it's the same for any student athlete. But it comes at different times for different student athletes. With I think with basketball and baseball, and, and again, these are only I'm only talking about two sports that I know a decent amount about in terms of what their schedules are like. But that's got to be very difficult for them, I would imagine, for basketball to do it. You know, you're playing games during finals, and you're missing some time on the road. And then you know, baseball, you're sometimes you're, you're maybe in class once or twice a week because you have a road trip coming up. Well, I can tell you, our baseball team this year, we we are playing some serious home stands this year. Uh, I think we're playing. We're playing baseball here almost every weekend in the spring, I think. Uh, there's at least a baseball or softball game at, at home every weekend. I'm looking at our spring calendar right now. Uh, and uh, so we have a favorable home stretch for uh, for uh, baseball this year. And I'll tell you what, if anyone's able to make it out to softball whenever you get a chance, because Coach Dora's going to be doing public address for those games. Well, that's uh, – we're, we're, he's not ever at a loss for words. <laughs> But if he was doing play-by-play, he certainly wouldn't be uh, doing anything along the likes of a major league or anything like that. It would be a, a clean broadcast for him. Fly ball, caught. Yep. That's all you got to say. <laughs> People would get the message. But uh, women's basketball, men's basketball are back in action January 3rd. They're back at home on January 3rd uh, as we open up conference against Rhodes. So if anyone's able to make it out to that, definitely do it. If you can't, tune in on the Warrior Sports Network. You're going to hear a few familiar voices. If you do, and should be a lot of fun, and should be it's a lot more fun when you win, and we have a pretty good chance. It is, and, and looking forward to a lot of wins this this uh, this winter, and hopefully uh, people will come out and support us. That's the other thing about kind of like that scheduling and everything is is we have such a long break here at Hendricks. You know, like we didn't have quite a long break as Austin College because we had Jan term, so January you had a one class deal. So you know, you had students back on campus. We don't get students back on campus until January eighteenth. So. There's a big stretch of time where, you know, we're playing home games in some of our first conference games, you know, without a student body and and sort of empty gyms. And that's sometimes that's kind of difficult. It was kind of like us playing at Trinity last spring when, you know, it's a brand new stadium and they're not allowing fans. And 
I mean, it's an eerie feeling to play a football game with no one there. <laughs> yep. yep. It's an experience. And, you know, one thing I think that Hendricks football knows anything knows more about than anything is the more wins you have, the better you are, I guess, in terms of having a Dayton win or. Yeah. I mean, there ain't no doubt about that. I, I heard the better you are, the more wins you have. I mean, that's, there's, there's, there's no, there's no way around that, but we, we, we haven't, we haven't had a win here, but we're going to get a lot of wins. <laughs> and then we'll finish up. Uh, I don't think we've been on the air since all conference uh, came out. No, we haven't. Uh, we had, uh, you know, obviously a little bit of a down year for us, but we had four guys named all conference team, uh, all truck uh, or Matthew, all truck offensive line, uh, Chris Childress receiver who led the, the, the league in touchdowns. And then, uh, Mitchell Johnson, our inside or Mike linebacker, who was one of the top tacklers in the league this year. And then uh, Matthew Skirto, who has set our school record for uh, past deflects in, in his career uh, here and uh, as a DB. So those guys were, were all conference. And then uh, we were fortunate to have another all region selection this year with Childress being an all region selection uh, for, for the D3football.com. So, you know, uh, even though a little bit of a, a down year for us, those guys were, were honored and we're glad to have those guys. And then, you know, we don't have a return specialist category in our league, but if we did, Tajay White would have definitely been uh, all conference return specialist. Um, and, and that's unfortunate. We don't have that, but, but he was recognized by Logan Hanson as one of the top returners in the in the nation. I was just about to give him a shout out. So for anyone who, you know, is interested in D3 athletics, we do get quite a bit of coverage on Twitter from independent guys who invest a lot of their time. And we're very fortunate for that. But as coach, you mentioned, Logan Hanson, he's someone I'd go follow on Twitter. If you can, H A N S E N is how you spell his last name, but he runs a lot of the analytics. And, and like you said, he identified Tajay's yep. one of the best and, in the country. And I do follow him on, 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 uh, on Twitter. So well, unofficially, <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've, I've heard from some people that it's a very big deal to get a follow from not coach, not you can, I think is how it goes. I, plausible deniability. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So if you mess up, it wasn't you. It was, no, I hear you on that. So, and one last thing I did want to mention, at least, well, I guess we'll get into some more football in a little bit, but uh, not just uh, D3 football wrapped up, but high school football around the country just wrapped up. And you had a chance to go back to Texas and watch a few state championship games. Yeah, we, you know, namely went back because Coach Heim, our, our defensive coordinator, we started with and, and who's one of my former teammates and one of my best friends of life and uh, considering him family. Uh, they, uh, he's a defensive coordinator at Denton Geyer and Denton Geyer played Austin Westlake for the, for the, you know, big school championship in Texas. And it was the last game of Saturday uh, night. And, they played pretty well, but Westlake was just too much for them. So, you know, I wanted to make sure I was there for that. And then, of course, uh, obviously, it was a it was a it was a, a DFW heavy uh, big school event because South Oak Cliff played. Which I got to give some props to South Oak Cliff, first Dallas Independent School District to win a state championship since 1950. Uh, now, granted, there was one other – Dallas Carter won a championship back in the day, but they got their title stripped, which if you ever have a chance to go look at that 30 for 30, it's a great story about, you know, some of those things that happened there uh, during that run of Dallas Carter, which was an unbelievable team. I was in high school during that time as well, and they were they were unbelievable. Um, and they now they, they had their issues. So, again, I'm not going to give away the 30 for 30, but, you know, there, there was a – there was a it was it was an interesting time. So uh, that was unbelievable. We I remember playing sock when I when I was in high school. We played in first round playoffs, 
and you know there was not a lot of support not a lot of community support um there was one time we played out i mean there was a handful of people in the stands to watch them play and of course our whole side was full and you know to see forty-two thousand people come to that football game to watch south oak cliff and um and uh oh i can't even remember who they played now but anyway to because i wasn't really worried i just wanted south oak cliff to win but you know to watch them play and win a state championship was pretty impressive and to, and to see that place go wild of course duncanville galena park had a three-peat uh and they they unfortunately like denison my alma mater back in the day lost to lamarck three times in a row uh, they lost to Galena Park North Shore again uh, three times in a row. But, you know, that that filled up, uh, you know, AT&T, Jerry World, pretty pretty good because there were so many uh, North Texas teams in the in the deal. And then, of course, you know, uh, Coach Hyman and those guys, they, they didn't they didn't fare uh, well in the game, but they, they hung neck and neck with them pretty good, probably better than a lot of teams did throughout the year because Westlake had one of the best teams in, in all of – well, I mean, I think the number two team in the nation this year. And that was Todd Dodge's last football game as, you know, he was retiring. Um, I remember Todd Dodge. Well, I mean, not that I remember. I mean, his first coordinator job was at uh, McKinney High School. Uh, and it was the first time I'd seen, you know, we'd ever seen people throw the ball like that. We were the number one team in the in, – we were the number one defense in the state of Texas, and they threw for 513 yards against us. Uh Max Naki, the quarterback, was an unbelievable player, and they had some guys that could 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 play in space, and they just they threw it every snap, and and they beat the dog out of us. Now we still won the district because uh, we had beaten um, we had beaten Gainesville, Gainesville beat them, we beat Allen, we like so so it all worked out where we still won district for that was our fifth in a row that year. But <clears throat> point being is it was the first time we ever saw that with with a with a passing game like that, and that was really transformational because they were an I-back team before that. We were an I-back team. You know, we were tossing the ball to Division One tailbacks and going downhill. And, I mean, it was, it was you know, I would say three yards in cloud dust, but I think we averaged about six yards per sweep. So three yards was not a good play. But, but I mean, that's, that's the way football was. And then it really transformed it, you know. And then, you know, you fast forward another 10 or 15 years and, and then no one huddles anymore. <laughs> And just trying to run more plays that way. It, it's weird when I watch some of these high school games and I see the quarterback go to the sideline. And I'm like, what's he talking to his coach about? And I'm like, oh, he's getting a play. <laughs> it's something. So going back now, it's it's a totally different atmosphere when you go to Texas and you're going to Jerry World and you're watching these teams play, especially when you go up to the upper levels. And I mean, I've seen some of these teams play on TV. I've never seen them play in person. Now we played Longview uh, my sophomore year of high school, which I've, I'm familiar with them and know that they've been pretty good in years past. I don't know how they compare where they rank with some of these teams. Like I've heard about Duncanville and Guy and all them with the size, but I mean, it's definitely different than what we have here in Arkansas, but with you being here for, I guess, going on, what is it? 10 years now? 10 years. Is, is there anything about Arkansas high school football, or at least maybe, you know, the setting at War Memorial, is there anything that surprised you or something you really like about it? Um, I, I think that, I think there's a lot of support here in Arkansas. And I think, uh, you know, I think there's a lot, I mean, from when I first got here, I mean, that I think football had gotten a lot better in Arkansas for the last 10 years before I even got here, uh, you know, with with the, you know, just the way the Northwest Arkansas had been, you know, really pumping money into facilities and doing things and, and paying coaches and teachers better. And and then I think that trickled down, it's trickled down to, to other parts of the state 
at this point because you've seen the balance of power shift a little bit. There's been some Central Arkansas teams win um, and 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 be dominant, and so you know that's so it's not just Bentonville or Fayetteville, just them winning those games. It's it's you know having that spread out a little bit more. I think that's uh, been good for the state, and I think that's something that's been been really good. And I and again, I think there's you know it's really good. The difference is, is just, we don't have the population base. That's the same thing. You know, all the division one people say in recruiting and whatnot, you just don't have the population base is it's what they do in, in Texas. And, and you can, it's just different uh, in that regard. Uh, so you don't have as many kids to choose from. So, uh, and it gets sparse as you get away from Little Rock or Fayetteville or Fort Smith, you know, it gets a little bit more sparse. It, it was really neat. Cause I, I got a chance to go watch the 4A state championship game and, and I went and watched um I went and watched 5A too I believe I don't remember which one it was but it's some of these teams that you know I've I've seen from afar but have not been around them and one experience I totally forgot about because you don't even really get this experience when you're playing in high school you you don't get to go watch these other teams but it's really cool to go into a stadium as a neutral and get to be around these fans who maybe it's the first time their team has been to state in a long time or just to be amongst these different fan bases. Now there are some divisions in Arkansas where it's the same team year after year after year. And you get some, some teams that are playing them for the first time maybe, uh, but it, it's really neat experience just for anyone. And this is regardless of state really just to go to, just to be able to have a chance to go back to high school football and be immersed in that kind of atmosphere. I love sitting, we had a chance to go sit in the box seats at War Memorial, but you know, it's really cool to be outside kind of braving the elements with the fans and, and remembering what, the one thing that we all share in common about football, at least, are those experiences. Because some of us go may, may play at a higher level, some of us may play at a lower level, but you never forget some of those. Yeah, and you only have one time to be a senior in high school. You only have one time to do that, and you know, and those times are special, uh, whether you make it all the way or not. You know, and then you know, if you get knocked out by one of those teams, you're, you're usually at War Memorial watching those other teams. Or like, I mean, I remember uh, getting beat by Waxahachie, who won the state championship. I went to the state championship game to watch him play. You know. Um, uh, and I, this just popped in my head, but you know, there was whatever 40 to 50,000 people there at, at Texas, or I always call it Texas stadium. Cause I played in the old Texas stadium, the hole in the roof so God could see us play. But, uh, but uh, so we wander around to try to find a seat and we're up and we finally get the third deck and we, we, there's two seats right there on the edge. We sit down and look over and two seats away is Braden Ward. So Braden, shout out to you for, 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 Needle in the haystack. We found you out of fifty thousand people. <laughs> it's like you say: if you spend time in this program, you're going to become like the people you're around, and you guys just have to like, like the same seats, the same That's view, right. I guess. Like, well, you know what? For a tight end, just find space. That's sit, right. When you find space, sit down in that zone. And, no doubt, no doubt. I was doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Nose guards can catch too. Um, so you mentioned. Uh, we mentioned this at the top, you know, with the off-season coach, and we've been on this in a few different podcasts before, but um, it may be something that we can get into more depth in here. And really, I mean, I'll let you take it because, I mean, you're the guy who runs the off-season program for sure. And But also with it being, you know, you, you've, you've done off-seasons as a player and you've run a lot of off-seasons as a coach. Um, I just wanted to kind of get your opinion from you, like the importance of off-season and what that can mean for, for players. Um, you know, a couple things. Number one, development is crucial. I mean, like it's, you know, we, we consider ourselves a developmental program, not because we started from scratch, but because 
our job is to get our players as good as they can be by the time you leave this place. You know, obviously you want to recruit the best players possible, but I always say this on every day. Like I, you'll say, hear me say, good is great, better is possible. We want to get to that point to where you're at the at the top end of what you can become. And you can't do that by just simply saying, I'm going to go do it. Or, you know, there, there has to be a price to be paid. I mean, you got to do what you don't want to do to get what you haven't had. And that's where off season comes in to develop, you know, our everything and uh, to, to, you know, your motor skills to, you know, you, you know, basic strength, flexibility, all that stuff matters. And so putting a program together to develop the most out of our, out of our young men is really important because we want every player to walk off their last game of their last, you know, playing time and go, I was the best I could have been uh, because I think that's where you fail no matter what, how many games you win or lose, it's it's did our players walk out the field knowing they were the best they could be? You're probably never going to play as good as you want to play, but did you get every opportunity to become and be the best you could be? If you know that you put everything you've gotten into it and somebody's better, you can accept that. You don't have to like it, but you can accept it. It's really hard to accept the fact that, you know, I didn't do what it took or we didn't give you an opportunity to become the best you could be. And so that's really number one is developing players. Number two is having a shared experience together with the bulk of your team. So therefore you create a system of discipline. And again, that buy-in to play for each other and not just because I want to play college football or not just because, um, you know, it's convenient. Um, you want that buy-in. You, you have to come to that. You have to come to that crossroads of, you know, this is hard. I don't really want to do this, but I know it's best. Um, we're not trying to be somebody that's making people do things they don't want to do. Everything we are going to do has a, has a reason for that, but we have to have a baseline of discipline to be able to do that. And then, then as your team has a shared experience of, of that, you know, this has got to be a sacrifice to be a little bit harder than what it's like to just show up. Then now your core, your team, 80, 70 to 80% of your team is has that shared experience and now you add 20% to it with a freshman class. And so you're not overwhelmed by people that haven't gone through that or in a, you know, in a political system, it would be like, you know, you go from having, you, you go from having all freedom in the world to being told what to do. And you don't really like that. So there's communism, the freedom. And it's like, well, you mean I got to do this now? Like I have to do this. That's, that's kind of the thing. It's like, you, you have to have that kind of mentality in a team sport because you have to be able to sacrifice for others. It's, it's lack of a better term. It, it is socialism to some degree because, or utilitarianism was the greatest good for the greatest number. We've got to be able to do that for everybody to be good together. Mm -hmm. And so now your majority of your team has that shared experience and your freshmen don't overwhelm that. And so I don't think we were necessarily in a place where, our freshmen and sophomores, we had no shared experience over the last couple of years, except for playing the spring season last year. And when you play a season and you're good, you hide a lot of things that you might not be good at. You hide a lot of things that, you know, might've gone under the radar or somebody not doing what it takes. But then when it's that person's turn to step up, we're not ready to do that. And we don't have that shared experience. So when you look at it, no one in our program has had a real off season over the last three years. So, this offseason is probably the most important offseason outside the first year's pro part of the program. And 
unfortunately, we've got to correct some bad habits right now, which we didn't have in the first year. We were just going to go, this is what we're going to do. Now, that's no different than what we're doing now. We're going to say, this is what we're going to do. But we do have to correct some bad habits and we have to create some more discipline because I don't think we were necessarily where we needed to be in those, in those areas. Now, in addition to that, you're creating a better football player by, again, achieving those metrics uh, to, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, quicker, meaner, smarter. All those things are going to be accomplished through an off-season regimen and being able to push through. And some things are tough. Some things have to be challenged mentally when, you, when you're tired because that's when it's going to count in the fourth quarter. And you don't win those fourth quarter ball games just because you ran four sprints or five sprints or 10 sprints at the end of practice in August. You do it by everything that you do. And Coach Morris used to tell us all the time, tomorrow's headlines are written today. You know, next fall's headlines are written in February and March. I think it's important, too, for people to understand when you talk about shared experiences, it, it's not just one of those deals where it's like, well, me and Mason Dover, we're in the weight room at the same time. That shared experience is when we wake up at five o'clock in the morning and we have to be in lines on the field at a certain time and we have to be doing everything in sync in unison. It's not that I can go out there and try to make myself better. Like, okay, well, that guy's getting better. It, it's all of us getting on the same page. It's all of us getting better. It's like an assembly line. Like just because I may do something really well, well, if the guy next to me is not doing his job really well, then it's all for naught. The car is not going to look that. It's not going to function at its maximum. So it's not just that we're doing the same things. It's about operating the same and learning to be in sync we're in unison and and I, I was you know our off seasons here at Hendricks at least when we took part I remember there was one year in particular where the off seasons got a little more intense than the one prior and just seeing what that did and the effects that it had in our team I thought we got really closer as a unit and that's what really opened my eyes to the value of one especially not having gone through off season in high school being a dual sport athlete it's huge. It really is. Yeah. And, and plus, you know, we have, you know, a, a, a sophomore class that didn't really get that first off season last year. And, and in this freshman class, you know, the amount of development that we have the potential to ac accomplish this year is probably better than we've ever had because, you know, some of those guys that come in, they, they, they've been in multi-sport athletes. They haven't had an off season. They've been able to, you know, just play through school. So being able to do this at a, at a, at a, where we can where we, where we can get everybody developed <clears throat> we have one of the best chances to to make the most amount of progress in the off season that we've ever had you know it's not just off season for players one thing i want to ask you about is for a lot of the young coaches on your staff it's it's one of our first off seasons where we've had some time to i mean you're doing like you know statistical analysis at the end of a season but you've also got some coaches conventions to go to you're out recruiting so you get to talk to high school coaches and making those relationships for you, given your coaching career was kind of in that you had a year to coach and then you came back and played for a year, but what was it like for you as a young coach starting out, like the resources available and how were you able to grow as a young coach? Well, you know, the resources have changed dramatically in everything that we do just because of technology and the ability to, to have more accessible information. You know, I still remember going to the library and looking up things in the card catalog, you know, or having it on microfiche. You know, it's a lot easier to point and click nowadays. <laughs> so, I mean, there was still resources like, I mean, the American Football Coaches Monthly, uh, some of those resources were, have always been around. But, you know, a lot of stuff was written in books. Uh, but then again, you know, like uh, 
there was nothing like, you know, being there or being a part of a program or going to visit a place. Uh, most of the time we, I mean, I remember we went to university of Texas one time, uh, and went to, went to spring ball and, and, and did that. You know, I was fortunate enough to be with coach Morris and, and to be able to go to Florida state over the years. And, you know, I feel like I got better by, you know, sitting there and just listening to coach Andrews and coach Gladden and, uh, you know, those guys, you know, it had a wealth of knowledge and, and experience and, 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 you know, I, I consider myself lucky to be a part of all that coaching tree, you know, and, um, you know, to, to hear those guys talk and, and I was fortunate early in my career, you know, working for Johnny Burnett uh, as his D-line coach. I mean, he'd been around for a long time already and, and, you know, had been at Army and been at Oklahoma State and, you know, had been at every level of, of college football and, and, I feel like it made me better and stronger and a better football coach. Um, and then, and then just being thrown in the fire, you know, just being able to go do it. And, but again, I think a lot of that was, you know, back then you, you had to go sit down with people and you had to talk to them. Now, I mean, it's kind of neat. I mean, to have the ability to zoom or whatever, and you can, you can have information at your fingertips. The AFCA has gotten unbelievably, you know, creative with their libraries um, sometimes if you go to conventions and you go to see people speak, you're going to find some people that you get really good nuggets from. And then some are just up there talking to hear themselves talk. So sometimes you're going to have good things and sometimes bad. I always challenge you guys. And like, when you go to the convention this year, when we all go, I'm going to tell you like, you know, whenever time you go talk to somebody or hear somebody speak, try to get one thing out of it. You know, you don't have to get everything under the sun, but try to get one thing out of it that you feel like you could you could gain from. Some of it may be affirmation of something you already do. Some of it may be something that's totally different. Um, but it's always important to keep an open mind about stuff and to be able to go, all right, this is this is what what you know could make us better, you know. Um, so uh, that being said, I mean some of the things were available, but I think it's being it, for me it was being proactive and being able to to get in there and and again I really appreciate you know Mickey Andrews and Coach Gladden and Coach Hagens and all those guys at Florida State because they took me in and and you know I got to learn a lot of things from them that that I wouldn't have like most people didn't get to do and and you know they treated me like family uh, and I owe a lot of that to Coach Morris and and you know a lot of my sayings a lot of stuff that was something that was that a lot of some of the stuff was said at Florida State during their practices I mean like uh, again. And of course, in that time, they were very, very good football. And they were, I mean, it was not what you saw this year out of Florida State by any stretch. And, you know, they were competing for national titles every year. And, and again, Coach Bowden, I think, was a special coach for Division One because he was one of the last of that type of coach that just really cared about players. Not to say that people don't care about players or anything like that. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but I mean, I thought that was pretty special, you know, uh, to be a division one program like that. And, and for that amount of care and knowing who their players were. So I, I think that was important. I mean, I think that was cool. I mean, I remember sitting there eating bull Reese, who was the defensive coordinator at Texas at the time and coach Bowden bull sitting across from me and, and coach Bowden sitting to my right and coach Gladden sitting across from coach Bowden and, you know, and coach Morris is sitting next to me and we're all eating and just, talking a little bit about football and life. And there's not, I mean, everybody's just a normal person. And the thing I always appreciate about those people were they'd never thought they were above 
us as small college coaches and they wanted to be better too. And they wanted to, and they wanted to pass their knowledge on, you know, um, I think that was important. And I think we lose that a little bit today because we don't have as much personal interaction. And honestly, there's so much musical chairs in division one, you could go see what they do and that person not be there the next semester, you know? So I don't know if that's necessarily good or bad or indifferent, but I know uh, part of it too uh, is trying to get connections and, and try to get invited to go to camps and, and to be part of that at, at the bigger places so you can develop some of those relationships. I remember watching the Colts and Patriots this Saturday and they were promoting the, the hard knock series that they're doing throughout the season with the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, they're releasing episodes throughout the season. And dad was like, I wonder why you would do that. Cause don't you kind of get some insight into to how Frank Reich can then think how the coaching staff thinks and this and that. I'm like, well, they're not, they don't show a lot of that stuff anyway. But what I wanted to say is I was shocked and pleasantly surprised by the amount of information that's on the digital library that you were talking about the FCA and just how open these coaches are to sharing the information that they have and just how blessed the younger coaches are for being able to take all that in. And it's amazing when you'll see, I mean, some of these guys in the same room, they might be competitors, but just what they're willing to share. I really, for me, I guess with some of these guys and the way they talk, you can hear their passion and it's like, they're really doing it to help improve the game. They're sharing what they have so people can take it. And then hopefully, add on to that and you know the game's always going to evolve and in some ways maybe it's kind of also it's not a case of reverting back it's like we're the opposite of evolution but you know it's like some people nowadays they see the an offense running it's like there are a lot of triple option lessons in the offense like some of the things we do here harken back to the triple option we just it does differently so it, it's the way the game has evolved and it's just awesome to how open these coaches are and how willing they are to help others you know, along their way. It's, it's really special. That's one thing I'm really looking forward to at this convention, but also just being around a lot of coaches and, and getting to hear their stories. It's My amazing. number one goal of this convention is not to catch Omicron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number two is to go to the Division Three Council meeting and make sure uh, we don't <laughs> we don't go to Division Four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel good about batting 500 on that one. You know, I was thinking about Omicron, you know, Peyton Manning's famous thing. You know, he say Omaha at the line. I'm just waiting for someone to say Omicron now. No, you know? no question. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll get through this phase. And I'm glad we played our season this fall. I mean, you look at the NFL right now and how many people are scattered around and here, there, and yonder. I'm, I'm glad we've already played. We're not playing this spring. So hopefully we'll get back to campus this spring and have a have a clean spring like we did this fall because our school did a great job of, of I mean, we, we, we had very, very, very few cases of, of COVID over, over the fall as, a, as an institution. So hopefully we can continue that. Uh, again, I know we have some protocols that other people don't have, but our number one goal here has always been to keep everybody safe. And number two goal is to play every game possible. And we, as an institution, still have, have not had to uh, forfeit or change any game. Now, other teams have had to do it to us because they've had issues especially like in football with us, but, but, but we have not had to do that. So that's a blessing for, for us, our institution and our administration. You know, one, one, uh, one place for football and, and, you know, medicine definitely intersects is you're, you're gonna have a lot of armchair quarterbacks on all sides. <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion on something. So it's, no matter how different some may think football and pre-med or whatever, there are always going to be some overlaps there. 
Um, you know, we talked a lot of football. We're only a few days out till Christmas, and I'm thinking this is right up your alley to get into a top. You know, we don't have Jags. So we don't have Jags. So, I mean, like, uh, we'll have to just figure it out. We just have to figure it out. But, um, yeah, we top 10. We should have done top 10 things Jack's done of the top 10 since Jack wasn't here. But we didn't do that. We did talk about in our pregame show, we, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, what, what Christmas movies we liked. So, um, and then Sandy challenged me to come up with a list of, of 10 Christmas movies. And unlike normal, where I list like 40 movies and then say these all will be top 10, I did come up with straight up 10. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, you know, we've been doing this for two and a half, three years now, I guess. You know, normally we give Jack a top five, but I know there are certain topics where for you, it's got to be a top 10. We're not going to do it. Well, I'm older. Five. I have more experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'll go with that. I mean, uh, you know, you're younger, you only have five. Now you're your with us. Well, and I'm curious when you go down this list, I want to see how many movies, you know, how many the overlaps like with a younger generation might have, because you're going to have a few movies on there that, you know, some of us may have not been used to. Now, some of them are transcendent. I mean, you're number one, that's a transcendent. Everyone's going to see it. But there are a few where I'm, I wonder if there are some that, you know, our generation just hadn't been used to, really. So. Good, good question. So, Let's you we want to go bottom top bottom well, we got, to top. Well, we gotta go bottom to top, yeah. Okay, all right, bottom to top. So let's just go ahead and say my my three bottom picks here. They were they're more movies centered around Christmas, not necessarily Christmas movies. So, but but I would consider them Christmas movies because they are taking place at Christmas. And so therefore, again, uh we'll start out with number 10, Gremlins one of the lead causes of a PG-13 rating. Uh, uh, but I thought it was a good movie. All right, number nine, probably sneaking in here because people don't think about it, but Trading Places. Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, really good movie. And then Dan, Ar Dan Aykroyd actually dresses up like Santa Claus in the movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, then it's, it's probably not what you think. But anyway, uh, number eight, Die Hard. Die Hard, to me, is a Christmas movie, and it is important because it is – it, it was one of those, it was one of those really good life-changing movies of, of the 80s where, you know, you just want a good, you did me wrong, I'll pay you back kind of movie. I mean, it's, it's my kind of movie. <laughs> I got to take a time out here because I was looking on your list and, and, oh, never mind, I see it now. I was going to take a time out and ask you if you had an honorable mention, but it's on the list. So we oh, well, so it's not on the So, so my number seven actually encompasses, I, I wouldn't say a genre, but it's, it's, it's a Christmas carol. So that encompasses like all of the Christmas Carol movies. Now some of them are better than others. I mean, I've, the, one of the one of the best ones of the old ones is probably with uh, you know George C. Scott. But uh, but all the all of these uh, are important. But I have another movie higher on the list that that is a Christmas Carol type movie. Um, but in this, I would have to say the Muppets Christmas Carol because you know you got to have the Muppets in there somewhere. And, you know, the Muppets are always a, a favorite of mine. So Muppets Christmas Carol in there too. But a Christmas Carol has to be in there because I think, you know, that's just a, it's just a classic. I mean, the, the three ghosts, all that stuff, it's all good. So, all right, next up, number six, Home Alone. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah, being transcendent for everybody? or No, or? the one that I thought wasn't on your list. Oh, yeah, yeah Home Alone. You were shocked it was on my list. Well, no, I was shocked that, and then I saw it. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, it, it's it's just a great Christmas movie. I mean, uh, and and it's I mean, it's one of those. It's just one of those really good, and I think I think it stands the test too of of, of time, and people still like it today. All right, 
Number five, Christmas story, because everybody wants a BB gun. <laughs> I mean, and, and everybody's going to probably have an instance where they probably could have shot their eye out. <laughs> so, um, and everybody needs to learn not to stick their uh, tongue on a flagpole in, in below freezing temperature. So, you know, just things, I, I would consider that a rule violation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you don't really know a lot about, you know, thermodynamics, you might, you might make that mistake. Um, all right, number four, this is a newer one, Christmas Chronicles. Both of them, one and two. It's Kurt Russell, Netflix show. Thought it was a really good concept. Um, I would recommend that to anybody. Uh, number three, Elf. I think Elf is pretty funny. And again, uh, it's a top one. Obviously, why it's number three. Number two, Scrooged. Bill Murray, again, that probably falls into the number seven, A Christmas Carol, because it is a it is a Christmas Carol, technically. But I think that movie stands itself out, uh, namely because Bill Murray playing that character is, is pretty awesome. And number one, without any drum roll or anything, is Christmas Vacation. I mean, it's the gift that keeps on giving, Sandy. And you got to watch it every year. <laughs> I already knew it was going to be number one. It, it has to be. I mean... I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just one of the best ever. So I hadn't even seen it until last year. I remember, and you were pretty disappointed, but now I, I can, yep. I'm no longer disappointed now, <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't have to have it as your number one, but it is my number one because I think it is one of the best all around. And, you know, I think the one-liners that come from that priceless. Now I was going to ask you not to do like some psychoanalytic dive or anything, but I've noticed like a lot of these are maybe, I guess you can call them comedies. You know, I was thinking about some that are classics that come on, you know, TV all the time, like the old uh, Claymation or the animation with Rudolph uh, Frosty, or even not this is Claymation, but It's a Wonderful Life. Some of those, yep. like, are those deals where, were they popular in your household or do you just, you're more- of I adhere more to comedy. Okay. I mean, like, I, if, you, if you've noticed any of my list, there, there's probably a comedic, uh, uh, you know, slant to that. So I lean more towards comedy. Um, but I mean, I want, it's a wonderful life. Great movie, great premise, great actor. I mean, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, 20, 34th Street. Is it 34th, yes, Street? 34th Street? Great movie. I mean, the original great movie. I mean, hard to beat that movie, but it's not my top 10 movies, but like it is a great movie. Uh, so those things are good. I just, I don't, I don't really, I just think those, those ones that have, I mean, yeah, the top three, they're all, well, really, actually, if you look at them, all the top six, there's elements of being comedy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Trading Places is comedy. Uh, Die Hard, well, it's, you know, it's action and one-liner comedy. And, and in Gremlins, well, I guess there is a little bit of, I mean, Spike is kind of funny. I'm going to tell you, there are going to be a lot of top 10 Christmas movies list out there. Yours may be the only one with Gremlins on it. Well, you know, I, I just felt like it needed to sneak in there. Yeah. Just don't feed them after midnight. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. How do they know when it's midnight? Because, like, midnight in the central time zone is not midnight like where the Gremlins actually from. So is it midnight where the Gremlins from or midnight in the time zone he's at? So that's a, that's a really good question brought up about Gremlins. You know, and, like, what if you drop like I mean like water? You couldn't obviously drop water on them. But what happened if it was like something else? It was a liquid, but not water. Like, would that be different? 
I'm just wondering, you know, uh, I think that's, I think that's important questions to ask. You may have just ruined the movie for a lot of people who loved it. Well, I mean, I just think that, you know, how do you know what's midnight? I mean, I mean, you know, it's, that's how I mean, time zones are a big deal. So I don't know. Well, it's like you always told us when we were younger, uh, you can't soar with the eagles if you're up hooting with the owls. So hopefully you're not up at midnight. True, true, true. I'm not going to be up at midnight, probably. I mean, we're we're early to bed, early to rise, folk around here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the same way because we had our staff Christmas party recently, and I remember it was getting about nine o'clock or so. And and you know, Coach Dorn and his wife, they're they're <laughs> you know the games are fun, but they're they're like man, it's looking at their watches too. It's like man, it's past our bedtime. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I love being around these people because I hate <laughs> I hate going home when you're around these people who are not used to being on a student athlete schedule or a coach schedule. And you're like, they can go until three or four in the morning. I'm like, yes, I love people who want to go to bed. <laughs> Gosh. You become who you're around. Yep, so, that's right. Well, there you go. Well, that'll send us into the Christmas season. And when we come back, hopefully we have a lot to report uh, on as far as Hendricks Athletic go. Hopefully we take care of business against Rhodes, women's men's basketball. And can't wait to get other sports going as well. One, two, three, team. Great shows, Andy. And that will do it for this episode of Views from the Kicks. Thank you so much for listening in and supporting the podcast. We certainly could not do it without your support, and we hope to bring you more episodes as we enter into the offseason. Remember that you can find episodes of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye for now, and we hope to have you back with us soon. As always, it's a great day to be a warrior.